first class trip across the Atlantic. Make sure you put them laces out. I've been out and about, and I'm loud, cause I found another sound, and I'll pound on the ground for my guys across the pond. Kick is matter, that's their song. Trust me when that word is gone. Y'all can clap, clap, sing along, but. On a wheel, they got some real deal analysis Take the wheel, I think I feel like a catalyst For this build, you know your boy is never out of it Matter of fact, I think I'll go and win a championship KMWO, KMWO, man you know how this go Yeah, KMWO, kick his matter world order Man, y'all already know, let's go Right, good evening everyone. Uh, welcome to the Kickers Matter Devi podcast. Um, Jason speaking. Jack is um, unable to make tonight, but he will be popping back as and, as and when. Um, joined tonight by our, one of our new uh, co-hosts, Alan, Samps- uh, Alan Samson. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Alan with two L's, Samson, S-A-N-S-O-M-E. Welcome, Alan. Hey Jason, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, mate. Good, thank you. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. There's very, very good spelling. Most people, most people get either Alan or Sansom wrong the first time they, they go. So well, got big step forward to, to start us off. <laughs> Sat here absolutely sweating my tips off. It's even it's even warm in Manchester, which is uh, pretty much unheard of to be honest. So, is it? Yeah, I call it my phone. It's thirty degrees, which is is utterly ridiculous. So, because I just come back from a from a very very foolish run. So, um, yeah, big, you can tell you're an run. Eagles fan. Absolute absolute lunatic going running in the uh, in the thirty degree heat. Yeah, it seems like a good idea at the time. Not so much now. Not not my age anyway. <laughs> Um, so a little background on Alan then. Uh, do you want to just let us know, so your NFL team and your college teammate, and uh, when you got into fantasy football and what you do for Kickers Matter? Yeah, I guess background. Uh, takes it back about. I'm an Eagles fan. So I've been an NFL fan for about 30 years. I've been a college football fan for about 28 of those years. Inspired by a, a 1993 Rose Bowl. Um, between the, um, I can't remember exactly who it was. It was, it was Michigan at the time. I remember Michigan it was Elvis Gerback in Michigan uh, on a trip to Florida in January. In the excitement of uh, a New Year's Day football game between two teams I've never heard of really kind of piqued my interest. So, ever since then, I've been a, I've been a college football fan. Although I've never really had a team. No, no individual team has ever taken my fancy. We'll have to fix that. We'll have to get you a team. I've tried, but but no one's ever no one's ever really won me over. I mean, there's always there's always a bit of a bit of a connection with Temple and Penn State because of the thigh connection. And uh, my, my wife spent some time in North Carolina, so I've always been a bit of a soft spot for the Tar Heels, but but nothing that's ever uh, 
ever been any degree yeah, of passion or anything. They've, re- they've recruited they well, good, North Carolina. Yeah. Carolina, yeah, they should be, uh, should be one to watch over the next few seasons. We've got Mac, Mac back as well, seem to seem to get moved in the right direction. Got yeah. a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, I'm all for, for, for jumping on a bandwagon, by the way. So if they do start doing well, and, and somewhere halfway through the season, <laughs> I suddenly become a you know, serious target fan, that'll, that'll be why. <laughs> Right, um, what we're going to get into tonight then, um, it won't, won't be a long one. Uh, we're going to do a conference corner. So me and Jack mentioned it on last month's episode. So um, for every month, we're going to do a different conference. We're probably going to hit the five power conferences. Um, likely won't go any deeper than that. Um, but we're just going to rip apart the conferences um, so we're going to talk about how the league table finished last year, the state of the programmes that are going into the 2021 season, um, so the 2020 season, um, and any players that we think are going to be good for debut purposes um, uh, relating to those, to those um, programmes. Um, so we're going to start on the ACC tonight, um, if you're happy with that, mate. Um, That's fine. Well, I'm not happy with it. <laughs> Uh, I'll just yap for half an hour or probably <laughs> half an attempt. Um, and then we're going to go into the mailbag with a couple of questions as we always do um, and then we will get into our 2021, 2022 and 2023 Superplex rankings so it's a bit I find it a bit tedious just dropping like a top 10 top 20 Devi rankings um, I'd rather break it down by eligibility year personally um, so we're going to do a, a top 10 for each year of eligibility and then we're going to finish off just with a, a little bit of a chat about uh, campus to canton leagues which are taking off at the minute um, in, in my opinion they're the, they're the way to go um, with, with Devi leagues moving forward but um, we'll talk about what they are um, how you can get into them and, and what sort of sites and platforms you, you can run them on. So we'll start off with the conference corner then, Alan. So I'll just run off um, the ACC league table as it finished last year. So Clemson first, uh, 13-0. and um, Virginia second, 9-4. and Virginia Tech were 8-4. and uh, Wake Forest were 8-4. and Pittsburgh and Louisville both 7-5. and and then we had a, a lot of uh, Stalens at six and six. So uh, North Carolina, six and six, Boston College, six and six, Miami and Florida State. Uh, then Syracuse, Duke, NC State and Georgia Tech all had losing records. Georgia Tech finishing bottom of the table there with three and nine record. Um, so we'll go top to bottom then, mate. So Clemson, I mean, obviously I'm a Clemson fan. Um, you've obviously watched them a fair bit as well from when we spoke. So, what sort of players do you think should be on uh, people's radars for for Devi leagues? You know, going all the way through from now right through to the twenty twenty three class. Well, I, I guess with Clemson being the powerhouse they are, I mean, it's it's more like right. anyone in the team you're going to have you're going to have some degree of interest in depending where you can where you can get them and where they land. Right. So, I mean, I think. We're probably going to we're going to start on a fairly disagreeable point, I think, because I I, I think Etienne's their uh, their star every attraction even more so than than Lawrence is. I think yeah. he's got everything you need from a from a NFL running back, and, and it's it's somebody I'm pretty desperate to get in, in any debut league that uh, that I'm in. Do you I'm know what? With, with, with Etienne, it's 
for me, I'm I'm warmer and I'm a little bit more acceptable of him now from the season that he had last year. He did a lot of things last season that I needed to see him do. I needed to see him catch the ball out of the backfield. He did that 30 times last year. You know, I needed to see him slightly better in, in pass protection, which he, he was slightly better last year. Um, but for, for the, the frame that he's got, he handles the amount of carries that he's given quite well. Um, he's going to obviously have DeMarcus Bow, uh, Bowman coming in to, to compete with this year um, and then Will Shipley next year. But look, that, you know, the NFL, I think, will like Etienne. Um, and I'm probably, I've am probably been lower than what I should have been on him. Um, but a little bit disappointed to see him go back to school. Um, but he's probably looking at the running back class for next year. I, I can kind of see why he's done that. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think he would have gone if he had come out this year? I think he'd have got a day two grade, but I think he'd have got. I think personally, I think Swift would have gone above him. Obviously, Ch would have gone above him. Taylor would have gone above him, and then Akers was the next running back taken, weren't he? And then Dobbins was the bottom around two, and then Antonio Gibson was the top around three. And I think he'd be around about that Antonio Gibson sort of um, position. Yeah. I, 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 I have a very strong thought that uh, the Chiefs might well have taken him before Edwards away. Just the, the speed he has and what he offers as an all-round game, I, th- I think they would have been seriously tempted to take him at the end of the first round. Do you know what, mate? Like People talk about his speed, his game speed's good, but I don't think he's going to test as well as what people think he's going to test. Like, you know, Jonathan Taylor was a track athlete. Um, you know, he tested really well. The, the guy that we'll come on to later on that I think is going to test really well at the running back position is Journey Brown out of Penn State. You know, he's yeah. a back player. Um, I, I don't think Etienne's going to test as well. And I think people will look at that and, you know, scouts and teams will look at that and they'll think, oh, you know, he's got great game speed. But, but you know, you'd expect him in Lycra to, to, to probably... Put a, you know a four four, maybe even a sub four four, but I, yeah. I don't know that he's going to do that. I really, I really yeah, don't. Know. And I've you know watched watched him in training and you know quite a bit, and he um he is quick, but I think he's got better game speed than track speed. But anyway, so that's that's Etienne. So who else we got then that, that you think is worth noting? We've we've obviously got Lawrence, yeah. especially for Superflex. He's yeah. clearly going to be very sought after next year. He's, he's almost certainly going to be the one oh one. What do you think uh, his ceiling is? His ceiling's pretty high, and I think the bits that you've seen last year that I think we're unexpected is ability to run makes him quite interesting. I mean, yeah. it's, it's difficult to get a ceiling on him, to be honest, when, when you look at it. He's, he can take a hit as well. Yeah, he, 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 seems to, he seems to cover everything you'd want in a quarterback now. I think the one bit that maybe you might have had some doubts on midway through the season was his athleticism, uh, and you started to see that break out towards the end of the season as well with some pretty... Could he be Andrew Luck? I, I don't think he's as good a passer as Andrew Luck. I think, and whilst whilst he's tough, he's not as tough as Luck was coming out. It'd be interesting to see what he does, what he does this year. I think I think that he needs another top end, constant yeah. performance. I think the, the the other thing with Luck is Luck didn't have the luxury of all of the weapons and all of the protection that. Lawrence has. So there's always a little bit that you have to factor in that Clemson are so dominant and so powerful now. Yeah, I mean, but... to be honest, that Clemson line didn't 
perform as well last season as it did the season before. And mm. I think that, that that took note in Lawrence's stats. You know, use, that's why he had to get out of the pocket and, and run more with the ball and, and, and plays were breaking down more last season than what they were the season before. So, you know, I think he's shown that he can he can play behind a line that he's going to have pressure on him and he can throw the ball under pressure. I, I, I think, look, I, I think he's got Andrew Luck type ceiling. I really do. But the issue you've got with this is what franchise he goes to in the NFL because he's arguably going to be the first or second player off the board in the draft next year. And, you know, if he goes to Jacksonville, I mean, look, you know, Deshaun Watson went to, to Houston and we knew that they had a terrible offensive line at the time, but, you know, he was a winner and we believed that he was going to be, well, you know, I had him quite high. Uh, yeah, and don't, don't get forget the fact that for all the criticism that Dan O'Brien gets, Houston are not a particularly badly run Watson as well, hasn't he now? But you know, he's they've got you know two franchise tackles, a, le- a quality left tackle and a quality right tackle. So, you know, they've done all right. But you know, I think his ceiling is higher than Deshaun Watson's was coming out of Clemson. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Who else we got then? So got a couple of receivers. You've got a, a good, good chunk of receivers. So Justin Ross, obviously, a lot depends on what comes what comes with the injury. I mean, it's it's clearly hugely concerning now that we might never see him again. Never mind actually see any value in him from a Debbie point of view. Yeah, he's he's worth picking up from a stash point of view. But you know, I I'd be worried. I mean, you look at the receivers they have with Nata and and, and Ladson and uh, even EJ Williams. Yeah, you know, they, they've got depth. To the point that it may well be we never we never see Ross in a in a lead role again, even even if he gets even if he gets healthy. So yeah, um, I think I think Ross is more talented than Nata Ladson and EJ Williams personally. I like EJ Williams coming out this year. I'll talk a bit about him later on, but um, it's a real shame. I've, I've always been a I was a fan of Justin Ross since you know he came out of high school and I watched a bit of high school tape on him and you know. Jeff Scott, who has now moved on from Clemson, he was the Clemson wide receivers coach who recruited Ross and recruited a lot of these superstar receivers that Clemson have produced. He's now moved on. Uh, I think he's now the head coach at FAU or somewhere down in Florida. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, I don't think that means that the Clemson wide receiver university slogan will fade out. I think they'll be, they'll be still recruit really well, but um I, I I just don't see a, a DeAndre Hopkins or a Sammy Watkins, you know, in in any of these receivers personally. Um, yeah. But yeah, of, of the three, Ladson's the one that I think is the highest ceiling. I think yeah. he's speed and explosiveness gives him a chance. Yeah, he needs but, to thicken uh, his yeah. weight though. He's, he's he's I think he's about one hundred and ninety yeah. pounds, six three. That yeah. he needs to. He look. He reminds me of DJ Chark a bit. Not um, bad thing. Yeah, not bad. Um, and then, uh, so you got any other? So, do you want to talk about some running backs? Obviously, uh, Etienne Bowman. Etienne Bowman. Bowman definitely is one that I think looks looks really good. It'll be interesting to see how many carries he gets this year. I think you'd probably expect them to, to run Etienne into the ground and you know spot him with Bowman as the season goes on. I'd, I'd probably expect to see more of, of Wendy Dixon than we do of Bowman this year, to be honest. Yeah, they they use him more as a scat back, Lin yeah. Um they, I, I don't think he's going to translate overly well to the NFL, uh, uh, yeah. personally. Um, I, uh, the 
Clemson don't normally um, give the ball to their freshman running backs um, as much as some other programs do. They tend to sort of be a little bit more careful with them. Um, so I think Bowman's probably my RB3, I think, from this class coming out. Um, we'll talk about him yeah. a bit later on. But um, he's one to watch because I, he is literally going to fill that Etienne role um, as soon as he goes to the NFL next year. So he's definitely one worth looking at. Um, the one that I've circled and underlined and asterisked and everything is DJ Ugalele. What What's your thoughts on him then? Like obviously, incoming quarterback. It's it's always tough to say, especially in baby, and you know when you're judging a lot by recruiting class at this point. Yeah, generally the further further out you're going to go, and this is probably one for anyone who's never played Debbie before. Is there's there's obviously a diminishing level of returns the further out you go. You know, the, when you're looking at someone who won't start until the LAS next year, possibly even the year after, if Lawrence decides not to come out with, with everything going on at the minute, that he's he's almost so far in the future that. He's, he's difficult to make a judgment on, and I guess if I pull back the curtain a little bit, and my sort of approach to Devi is, um, there's very little you can do based on just taking recruits and, and high-level recruits. Clearly, you, there's very limited amount of tape you can judge um, a lot of people at that level, and that and that age, and that and that amount of experience. So, I'll. At that point, you're kind of being you're kind of being led effectively by by athleticism and, and opportunity, right? And, and it would look like he's he's he certainly has the capability. He's got the he's got the athleticism and he's got the he's got the measurables, and he's got the opportunity. And, and that that would make him quite an interesting asset. But I, I, it's it's very difficult to have, have a strong opinion on someone that you you haven't seen very much of at all. Yeah, wise words there. Um, totally agree. Um, I I do think that. Quarterbacks are a little bit safer to look at from three years in advance when you take into account that I think 60% or 65% of first round quarterbacks that go in the NFL draft are either four stars or above. So, you know, they, they tend to be sort of um, scouted better or translate better to from high school to college. Um, yeah, and I, I'd probably have agreed with that more a couple of years ago. But I think the level of transfers now, the level of people who move around, just yeah. mean there's so much more competition. So it's becoming less common for a five-star recruit to come in and have a free path to, to starting and, and just you know, almost run through from their, from their yeah. freshman year all, all the way through. They, they will undoubtedly be someone else emerge from... Um, the Clemson roster to, to challenge him at some point. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that point is a good point. You know, you look at Kedon Slobis at, at USC, you know, yeah. JT Daniels was the, the guy there, the, the big name there. And, you know, Slobis come in as a three star and, you know, took over and took the reins. Yeah. And that, that's his job now. So I, I, totally, I get that point. Um, I watched quite a bit of tape on Ugalele, and but I, I think he's, um, you know, we've got to wait and see him throw a football at college level yet. But, you know he's he's got a really live arm. Um, you know throws the ball really well. It just bounces out of his hand. Um, he's got NFL size already. He hasn't got to grow into a frame or you know anything like that. Um, he, he's ready to go. And I, I just think I think that bearing in mind the system that he's going to play in at Clemson, um, and if he does get you know free reign of that role and even he wins that role which I fully expect him to do after Lawrence has gone um, 
you know, I think we could be looking at a number one overall NFL draft pick potentially with, with him there. Um, I, 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 pref I preferred his tape, if I'm honest, than what I watched of Trevor Lawrence in high school. And Lawrence was generational coming out of high school. So um, we'll see. But he's a guy I really like. Um, so it wouldn't be a surprise. I, I think, uh, though, if, if, if you look at these things from a, from a debut point of view, I'm, I'm always somewhat reluctant to go too early when you see, when you see freshmen coming through. Like you just you just never quite know you the hit rate and one thing that I guess anyone who's anyone who's new to Debbie probably takes a while to realise is the hit rate is really really low. Yeah, you know, actually you you're playing around the margins and you know, you should probably prepare yourself with the exception of probably your start up when you get your first sort of run of, of Debbie players who who you're fairly sure are going to come out the next year. Actually, after that, your hit rate for guys two and three years down the road is. 50-50 at best. It's yeah. definitely something to be to be careful of. of, of filling your filling your rosters too much with guys who are too far in the future, unless unless you're active enough to keep turning that roster constantly. Yeah, that's certainly a sensible way of looking at it. Um, probably a way that I think anyone with with a thinking head on them should think. Um, what I love about Debbie the most is is. Seeing a player in, in, in high school, watching you know some highlights on a player in high school, and then digging into their tape, and then you know watching them win a job on a college roster, and then you know eventually watching them then coming out in in the NFL, and you know you've been on that guy from the start, and you know he's your guy, you know that that's what I love the most about Devi. Um, but but yeah, certainly um, your hit rate is going to be a lot smaller the further into the future that you're planning to, to build that roster. Um, right, so we spent a bit of time on Clemson then, so we'll skip through. Just I'll just name the programmes and you just tell me if there's anyone that you, that you like. Um, you've got anyone for Virginia or Virginia Tech? I've got no names down there. That I've, that not anyone that's sort of like top 50 Debbie sort of, you know. No, nobody, nobody that really jumps out. Uh, I guess the, the one guy in Virginia is Terrell Jana. Could be an interesting one if he's another good season. He's going to be the number one receiver this is he year. He's a senior, isn't he? Going in this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. So, so he'll, he'll be the number one target this year. So if they continue the, the progress they've made, you know, depending on how um, how they how they get on at quarterback uh, with with Perkins gone, I think they may struggle. Uh, you've, you've got a couple of quarterbacks there who are. Questionable, Brennan Armstrong and, and Keto and Thompson. No one is is a surefire thing. So that would be my one watch out. But Jan has definitely got he's definitely got ability, and he's he, he has a chance to be a mid round NFL pick if he if he trains this season, which would make him interesting, I guess, from a debut point of view. Yeah, in deep, yeah, in deeper yeah. roster. I, I don't think any of these programs are going to be having the same records as they did last year. I think there's going to be some regression coming there, bearing in mind how some of the other programs have built that finished a bit lower than them before. But um, Wake Forest, not, not much. Of, Wake, Wake Forest is uh, a bit more interesting, I guess. There's there's a few there's a few there. They've uh, obviously had a big quarterback change, so with with Newman gone. Yeah, probably um, speaks to the the riches of the program at the moment for the the Deacons, I suppose. With um, you lose you lose Jamie Newman, and you have Sam Hartman who can pretty much pick up pretty much where Newman left off. Which and, and to be honest, I, I think I probably like Hartman more than I, I like. Well. I like Hartman more um, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's that's a big step forward. He'll he'll get Surratt back. Clearly, the the biggest prospect or the biggest Debbie option is is Sage Surratt. 
wide receiver. What, what do you think of him as a as a prospect going into the NFL? Because I, I'm I, very I, I, high on Surratt. I'm too, I, I think he's a terrific terrific receiver. I think in the, in the nine games he played last year, you know, the, the, uh, I think about thousand yards he put up. You know, pretty pretty, pretty impressive stats on a relatively you know mid level mid level program who weren't playing particularly well. The injury obviously hurt. But he's, he's an excellent player. I don't think he'll, he'll do particularly well. He'll likely be a relatively high draft pick. I think he'll be a top pick. I think you're looking at the, the worst case scenario will be the sort of middle to the bottom of the second round, worst case. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think he'll, he'll be sort of helped, I guess, with um, you know, Donovan Green, who's a redshirt yeah. red freshman, even, trying that again. Um, he'll, he'll give them another, another target. And with any hawk, the running game might work a bit better next year as well. So they also have Kenneth Walker, who's, who's a runner. Pretty yeah, I've got Kenneth Walker rusted in a couple of Debbie leagues. Um, oh, I, his stats, he's, he's a little bit like, he's gone a little bit under the radar for me. A little bit like Keishon Vaughan was at Vanderbilt. You know, not yeah. many people on him. I had him rusted in the UK Twitter Debbie League. Um, well, I think about a year ago or something. I've sold him on now. But he... he um, his production was great. I just don't know what NFL teams will think of of Walker uh, come come NFL draft time. I, the problem is with these running backs that you know, unless they play on explosive offenses, which maybe it will be a little bit more explosive with Hartman there, but um, they kind of get overlooked. I had a little look through um, some some stats last night on running backs that selected from this conference in particular and, and, and then I started getting looking at other conferences and you know they, they do tend to come from the massive programs don't they you know the, the, the running yeah. backs that get drafted highly it's something like 80 something percent come from you know um, top end power five programs and it's, it's, a, it's a shame really because I think a lot of players go under the radar there's a guy I want to talk about Later on at the Georgia Tech, who is probably my favourite running back in this twenty, <laughs> and uh, he's on my list too. Is he? <laughs> right, let's we move may, on. We may be all right. We, 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 we may be all right running this team together, Jason. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh, no one of interest in this. Bear in mind, I have I haven't gone too deep because I'm, I'm conscious of time. Um, anyone yeah. that you think's worth mentioning? No, not really. I should, I should get excited about Kenny Pickett. No, absolutely not. Um, Louisville um, so I've got Tutu Atwell uh, who I really like and I'm not you'll see when it comes to my rankings later I'm not really I, I mentioned last month uh, with Jack I'm not really a big you know small fast deep threat wide receiver type fan I'd rather build my Debbie roster around guys that I believe could be number one receivers than you know go for my sort of Henry Ruggs, you know, type players yeah. personally. Um, you know, John Ross, guys like that. And and, and yeah. really Atwell is a little bit like that as well. His production, like I, the profile that I put together for um for wide receivers in college that with uh you know looking at sort of um yards per catch, um dominator rating, breakout age, stuff like that, he smashes that, yeah. really does smash yeah. it, which Ruggs didn't, but I just look at him and I just think he is just going to be one of them speed guys in the NFL. Yeah, I, I agree, but I probably see that more as an advantage than, than, than you do. Uh, as, as, as I look at sort of wide receiver prospects these days, I guess I kind of run down three different things of what I'm interested in, and it's pretty much how fast are they, 
how fast are they and how fast are they? And well, that's certainly the yeah, way that it's, it's, anyway. Yeah. You know, well, it is, and I think that, that's something that people need to start to get used to, right? It's, you know, nobody likes big guys anymore, and everybody is looking for receivers who can move, who they can move around, who they can do the kind of things that Atwell can do, which he's, he's probably not my favourite uh, receiver of the type. There's, there's another guy who I like more, who I'll go into in a bit, but we're getting Georgia Tech, or something becoming quite exciting, strangely enough. Um, <laughs> But but well, I think he's really interesting. I think if he has another season like he's had um, in the past year, I think he'll be he'll be very very interesting. He really takes a lot of NFL boxes. So he does. The other guy I mentioned was um, Javian Hawkins as well. Um, yeah. He's he had a great season last year, um, and the only issue with him is going to be his size. Um, yeah. I, he's not going to come into the NFL anything above 190 pounds, I don't think. Um, but, you know, he, he's held up with the amount of carries that they've given him. Um, and he's, you know, he, he's playing a, a fairly decent level of, of competition. Um, so he's a guy to keep an eye on, but I think he's probably going to be a mid to late round NFL draft pick um, to come out next year. Um, yeah. Next conference I want to talk about then, there's some exciting players here, is uh, University of North Carolina. Um, yeah. I'll start with this one. Sam Howell, for me, is a phenomenal quarterback prospect. Um, what he did as a freshman last year was, well, just go and have a look at his stats from last year. He was great. Um, the, the, he doesn't come out until 2022. So we've got another um, two years, arguably, of, of him um, producing potentially at the same, if not better rate than what he did before. There hasn't been that much turnaround at North Carolina. Like they've managed to keep a lot of their staff, good quality staff, on site. Um, and and they've, they've recruited really, really well. Um, picked up a couple of, I think, three, four-star guys and a couple of three-star guys as well. And, um, I think they're going to they're going to be right up there in this conference next year. No, I mean I'd, I'd echo that. I think they're they're a very exciting team at the moment. How long? What I loved about how long last year for for a freshman was the the comebacks and the fourth quarter performances. Yeah, were, were yeah. just exceptional. You just don't see that often from a, from right. a freshman playing for something like, like massive the chip on his shoulder. I don't, I don't know where he's yeah. coming from, but massive chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Um, and he's got the two receivers who are uh, going to certainly help him. <laughs> I think. I mean, the, there's, there's probably Clemson, I guess, have, have a great reputation for receivers, but you know, North Carolina probably for the first time are, are right there with them as far as the quality of the receivers they have with Newsom and, and, and Diami Brown, who are yeah. both both guys that I'm trying to get a hold of in, in different leagues. That's if John's actually run the. That is yeah, a real dog. If, John, if John's run the waivers in the um, the UK. Um, UK baby, I'm hoping I've got Newsom today. I haven't seen if he's run them yet. The only, the only thing with Newsom is he's a senior, isn't he? So he's he's kind of like that yeah. um, that Brian Edwards type player that hasn't really blown up on the stat sheets, but is uh, you know touchdown wise, he's, he's scored a lot of touchdowns. Um, he's had a massive target share of that offense as well. Um, yeah. So he's. He's a guy that the NFL may well like more than the analytic guys out there. Um, 
I seen a sit on Bleacher Report, I read an article a couple of months back, um, and the guy had Daz Newsom as his number one wide receiver for this next season, a college wide receiver. So um, he, he's a guy that you need to be aware of, I think, in, in Debbie Leagues. Um, anyone else? Give me the Spruce. I mean, the running, the running backs are okay, but no one to get too excited about. You know, I, I guess Michael Carter will probably draft it if he has another thousand yard season. Yeah, but, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too excited about. Yeah, that, that Carter's, I think, is just going to be a guy that either sort of late day three, maybe undrafted free agent, unless he has a ridiculous season this year. Um, Boston College, the only one for me really worth talking about here is the quarterback, um, Jerkovic. Again, I think he's a talented guy. Kind of wish he was at a different program because they just don't throw the ball very much. Boston College, um, hence he needs a waiver. He needs, he needs a waiver, doesn't he? He needs a waiver to play. Yeah, he's not been authorized to play as of yet. Um, but so they, might, they might have. Uh, it's Dennis Gross on otherwise, isn't it? He's yeah, terrible. He, he is terrible. Yeah, and they know he's terrible, which is why they gave AJ Dillon the ball five thousand times last season. So. Um, and why they're yeah. going to give David Bailey the ball five thousand times this season? Well, I don't think that's going to come off as well as it would with AJ Dillon, but we'll see. I don't think so. But you never know. The line's still very good, and uh, they'll run the ball a lot. So, it's, uh, yeah, um, he's, he's interesting at least. Bailey, I think he's worth stashing if you've got a bigger roster. Miami, mate, um, one of the most probably overrated. Com- um, Overrated teams for a ridiculous amount of time now. Um, they 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 always tend to recruit quite well, um, but they haven't been the best team to watch for for the last few years. Um, the big guy coming out of there next year, Brevin Jordan, the tight end. Um, what's your thoughts on him? Well, he's excellent. I think he'll be a, probably be the tight end one yeah. uh, next year. Though, obviously. Frymouth at Penn State is going to be interesting as well, but to me, Brevin Jordan is the tight end one. I think Pat Frymouth at Penn State is, I compare him a little bit to TJ Hawkinson. He's, I think he's going to test better than what people think, and he's probably your more NFL-ready tight end, but Brevin Jordan's ceiling is sky high. Um, he, he could be really good, um, really, really good. Uh, who's the other guy the Titan they've got three Kyle Pitts the other guy coming out next year as well haven't you um, who is another one to keep an eye on Um, so just a couple of Miami uh, they've got two running backs four star running backs that have come in this year Uh, uh, Jay Knighton and Don Chaney Jr Um, haven't watched much tape on on both of them but I did have a little peek at Don Chaney Jr he's a guy that you could keep an eye on Um, seemed to be a little bit of a troublemaker in high school so I I don't know if he's going to have problems in in college Uh, Miami tends to feel fitting well in Miami yeah yeah they they love them don't they which is why they've gone for it Um, but he's a talented boy Um, anyone out that you want to sort of mention the the only one who could be a bit of a dark horse is, is Derek King he was interesting at Houston. Could be interesting in Miami. Yeah. Now they play. Yeah. I think he's uh, he certainly has, a, has an interesting skill set. The way the, the NFL is going. So I had him in a college league, league uh, the season before last. I think, or was it was it last season? I, I can't quite remember what it was. But he's really really good for for fantasy. 
uh, you know, for college pharmacy. I, I think you've got to make a there's, a, there's a big difference between playing college fantasy football and playing Debbie fantasy football, because when you play Debbie, you've got to imagine them players as an NFL player. And I don't really see that in Derek King whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah. he, he put up some real big numbers for me in, in that league. Um, but yeah, good, good shout, mate. Worth keeping an eye on. Um, on to Florida State then. Uh, we won't talk about the offensive line because it doesn't exist. Um, what is happening at Florida State? How are they a six and six program? Uh, it's bizarre. It, it does seem to have just spiraled out of control, right? I mean, it, it seems like no time at all since they were they were dominant and looked very much like a, a powerhouse. And it does show how quickly it can change just with uh, with poor, poor recruiting and a few bad choices, bad head coach choices, and before you know it, it all falls apart. Right? Yeah, I think they've, they've they've made a pretty good appointment with with Norvell, but it's going to take him some time. I mean, his, his Memphis teams uh, were were perennial underdogs, right? He managed to get a lot out of the talent he had. He's got a lot of talent at Florida State, but whether the kind of players to replicate what he had in Memphis, I, I'd have my doubts to be honest. He's already sort of let himself down a little bit, though, isn't he, Norvell? Because he's didn't he have a um... He came out and made a comment about um, the whole Black Lives Matter thing that was going on when it happened. And uh, Marvin Wilson, their, their star defensive tackle, who's probably going to be a top 10 NFL pick, he, um, he basically just orchestrated a, a holdout and, and said that none of the players would report to the practice facility, um, et cetera, et cetera, based on what Norvell had said. Um, and uh, yeah, ended up in a... In a, a a meeting being called and you know everyone on the roster being summoned for this meeting and I think they sort of ironed it out but I don't think he started off on a on a very good I mean some of the um the Florida State players were putting tweets out that were subsequently deleted calling for him to, to lose his job and he's only been there for a matter of months so not a great way to start that franchise is an absolute car crash um Sorry, that team's... But, but they, 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 do, they do have a surprising amount of talent. Yeah, they do. Well, you know, maybe Norvell will get the best out of them, but we'll see. Um, obviously, Cam Akers has left now for the NFL. Um, they recruited a guy called Chubba Purdy, came in, 2023 quarterback. Um, he won't get a chance. He's the, the brother of Iowa State's Brock Purdy, right? Yeah, he is, yeah. And he's nowhere near as good as Brock Purdy, um, mm. from what I've seen anyway. Um but he's a guy that they've obviously pinned their hopes on, uh, four-star coming out of high school. Um, I watched a little bit of tape on Robinson, one of the receivers uh, coming out of, um, out of high school. I think he was about the number nine or ten wide receiver in this class. Um, so they've done quite well to get him. He's a guy that um, potentially could sort of learn a little bit from Terry and, and end up becoming the number one there. Um, and then obviously you've got Tamari and Terry, the wide receiver. Now, I we might disagree with this. I'm not a fan, if I'm honest. I, I don't think he's going to translate very well to the NFL, and I, I don't really see a lot on film that excites me, if I'm honest. Yeah, I haven't seen a great deal in truth. I didn't watch a huge amount of Florida State last year, funnily enough. Uh, the, the, the best I have seen, there's certainly flashes there, there's certainly, there's certainly talent. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it develops. I think it's a size yeah. thing. I think people are looking at him, expecting him to be a, you know, 
a wide, you know, a wide receiver one in the NFL, and I just, I just don't see it. I just don't think he's technically good enough. I think his route running is poor. Um, he's got good hands and he's decent, you know, red zone threat. But you know, I, I can't. I, I, I didn't see anything more from Terry this year than what I saw from a guy like Colin Johnson coming out of Texas, who got literally no draft stock whatsoever. So. Uh, right, because I mean, he, because that's mainly because he doesn't fit the three criteria. Yeah. Well, this is it. Mate. You're gonna. He's gonna take some time, but you're gonna have to try and uh, persuade me on these speed wide receivers. But I, I should be in love with Terry, but I'm not. Um, so Syracuse, Duke, NC State, and Georgia Tech. Um, anyone you want to talk about from any of them programs? Well, Georgia Tech probably have my favourite college player at the moment. Um, so we'll have to talk about them. Everyone else, yeah, there's not a lot. Right, so we have from Georgia Tech then that we want to talk about. There's two. There's there's the running back. I think you've obviously got as well, Jordan Mason. It feels extremely underrated based on based on what I've seen of him, and, and, and I think what a few people who are, who are quite like think about him. There seems to be a lot more there than the hype around him. Uh, now there's always going to be a challenge playing an optional offense, but. You know, we should see how that, that pans out. Do you think they'll change that offence, though, moving forward? I mean, I know... They're, they're trying to, I mean, I think that's been the challenge last year. They, they were trying... He doesn't, to, he doesn't start, suit that offence at all, Gibbs, at all. So... Yeah. They've certainly tried to change, I think. I and mean, you look at the, the linemen they brought in, not a great fit with the sort of classic Georgia Tech option game, and, and that kind of suffered last year. And it hurt Mason as well, I think, so... It'll be interesting to see how he does next year if they do. If they're, un- they're unlikely to dump the option offense completely. I think it'll be much more of a, a gradual move away from it. But, what I've read, yeah. I think that that may well be the case. I mean, Gibbs is more of a. Um, I'm not going to say he's a power back because he's not. He's not a, a, a big power back, but he's. Um, you know, he can run the ball inside in between the tackles. You know, which they. I think they've needed that for a little while. Um, he creates a lot for himself, I think, which which makes him quite an interesting player. He does. Um, he does. Look, I, on film, I, you know, I'll say it now. Twenty twenty three class. He's my RB two. Could quite easily be my RB one. Um, I think he was the fifth or sixth highest recruited running back coming out of this. It's, it's, a, it's a very good running back class, the twenty three class. But yeah. I just I, I I'm, trying him I'm trying to get yeah. him everywhere. He's. He, I think he's going to be a very good college. Back and a very good NFL back. Nope, I, I think there's a lot there. It'll be interesting to see how he translates. There is going to be a, a Georgia Tech tax for him to pay, though, if that offense doesn't doesn't change. Mm. You know, there's there's no way he's going to go in the top hundred coming out of that offense the way it's constituted. Yeah. Now. Yeah, but you just were you worried about potentially an injury or something like that from him as well? And well, injuries, but. I, I, I think the league has doubts about running backs who run an option systems. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think they'll, they'll see the they'll see the scale, but they're not going to spend a, they're not going to spend a premium pick on someone who, who they're always going to have questions about. So I think that'll end up hitting his draft stock, which will end up dropping him down from a from a prospect point of view. Yeah. Okay. Um. And the other one is uh, Amari and Brown, who is tiny, but probably. Now that now that Misk has obviously moved on, is probably the most exciting college player you can you can watch. I think at the moment he's he's incredible, and he's fast. Well, if he's fast, mate, then that's all that matters. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, I think if, 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 if you watch him, mean, he's, 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 he's a bit like Atwell. He's quite easy to dismiss because of his size. Watching his freshman year, he tracks the ball like Deshaun Jackson tracks the ball. And that makes him quite an interesting talent. I think some of, some of the catches and his, his ability to track the ball down the field look, at least based on last year, to be pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I need to go back and watch a bit more film on Georgia Tech, if I'm honest. Um, I think I'm just getting excited about Gibbs going into that system, um, you know, for the potential of, like you say, other guys that, are, that they've managed to bring in and that offence taking off. But um, I need to go back and watch a little bit more film on him. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely he, watch more on Brown. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's a highlight reel on himself. So it's, uh, it's a good watch, even if you, don't, uh, if you don't watch it from a technical point of view. Yeah. Right, um, that concludes the ACC then for our conference corner. Um, so we'll move on to the mailbag then. Um, just a couple of questions in that. Um, so the first one asked by Rich Price was, who excites you the most of the incoming freshman class? I'll cover my guys when we go on to our top 10 rankings. Um, have you got anyone that sticks out from this freshman class that really excites you? For, I mean, we've just talked about one of them for me with Gibbs, but... Anyone that you that sticks out? Gibbs is definitely there. Bowman, obviously, at Clemson is, is interesting. I think Kendall, Kendall Melton is probably the one that I'm probably most interested in. Okay, From a running back point of view, probably the player I'm most excited about from a freshman point of view, though, is uh, Demon DeMas. Yeah, in Texas. Texas A&M, yeah. Um, looks like a hell, hell of an athlete, hell of a player. Very interesting start to his career. I think I think he's going to explode this year. Interesting choice of schools because he could have gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah, but people are always going to go to Texas. Right? The program can be absolutely dreadful, and people are still going to go to Texas. It's always going to they're always going to be able to recruit. It's just what they do with them after they recruit them that seems to be the problem. It's interesting that he dismissed Texas for really early on in his selection process and chose Texas A and M. Um, mm. When you know when there's there was Texas have been an absolute powerhouse for recruiting, haven't they? The last two years, um, yeah. Maybe he did, he saw more opportunity at Texas A&M. Um, yeah. But he's gonna have Kellen Mond thrown in the ball, and he and it's just um, not someone I'm overly high on. But yeah, it's just I mean A&M or or Longhorns, they're they're just always going to be able to attract good players no matter what. Yeah. Next and a lot of these guys come out of the state of Texas as well. I don't know where Damascus. I think he is a Texas guy. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think he's a Texas guy. Um, he's Houston, Houston, I think. Is he? Right. Mm. Uh, next question then. How will COVID affect uh, the draft if they don't play? Uh, so if the college football season doesn't go ahead. Uh, Badly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and does Justin Ross benefit from this? Um, so for me, um, there's a couple of ways that they can deal with this. So number one, um, all the players will get an extra year of eligibility. It's what um, the college baseball um, organisers have done. Um, so essentially redshirt all freshmen and sophomore players. Um, they'll be able to um, choose if they um, declare or take up an additional year in college. Um, it could make the 2021 draft for me a little bit weaker though um, and thinner than normal. Um, 
if they do do that. Just, just purely, I, match, yeah, not going to happen. Like it obviously depends on what part of the what part of the season is lost. I, I think if I was a betting man, I'd be pretty confident that the SEC will play in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I would have severe doubts whether the Pac-12 will play. Yeah, but I think so. I think there will be college football in some way, shape, or form. Will that affect the prospects of players? It'll probably affect the smaller school guys more than well, the the bigger school guys. Well, it affects anyone who's them. got a, you know who's, who believes that they've got a decent potential to to who's banking on a you know or needs a a good twenty twenty season. Um, yeah, and they haven't already put the stats on the board. Um, yeah. A supple- the other way is a supplemental draft for all eligible rejoining seniors, giving them another um, chance to to declare. Uh, so, like guys, I don't, I don't, I can't see, I can't see in many, many no. doing it unless, I, unless unless there's a very early announcement by, <coughs> I guess the Pac twelve in particular that they're not going to play. I would imagine the ACC, the SEC at the very worst will wait till the very last minute to decide they're not. So, you know, I, I can't see that having a major effect. Um, I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I'm quite sceptical at the minute with a college season. I, I really don't know. Just not not because of the game itself, but just because of the whole. You know, some of these schools, if they have cases, will just shut the school down completely. I, I'm sorry, but I'm not sure that will happen in Alabama. Hmm. Yeah, I think the, the big SEC schools. I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Actually, I would be happy to be proven wrong. I think about, um, but I, I would just be astonished if the, if the SEC doesn't play. No, I, I agree with you with the SEC, but then it's just, you know, how how can some players that you know belong to programs in you know California and, and Washington State and places like, places like that for the Pac-12, you know, sit there and watch SEC football and not be playing? It's, it's it'd just be absolutely barmy. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But you can see the, the California schools, like you say, just shutting up shop straight away as soon as they get a case or a couple of cases or a cluster or anything like that. Boom. USC closed. Washington closed. You know, yeah. Stanford closed. Yeah, and I don't, don't, uh, don't ignore the, the politics in it as well. Right? I mean, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's an election the 3rd of November, which is going to play a pretty important part in all of the decisions all of these schools make because it's uh, it's without going into the politics of it because uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that'll win as many viewers. Listeners? <laughs> Listeners. Yeah, kind of I Right, so yeah, that's that, that's that then in summary then. Um, obviously the first option and the most likely option is great for me, for Justin Ross. Um, you know, he could take a whole year off without losing any ground whatsoever. Um, but look, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm very, very sceptical whether John Ross plays football. Jonathan, uh, Justin Ross plays football again. I, I, I thought you were right. You were probably right the first time. <laughs> um, sorry, anti John Ross hatred. <laughs> hey, he's fast. That's all that matters. Well, he absolutely, and for that very reason, he absolutely burned me in about fifteen <laughs> leagues. Um, yeah, look, that, that doesn't always. Like, it's not. It's not a foolproof scoring system. Just a scoring system. <laughs> um, yeah, that injury with Justin Ross for me is just one of them that I, I just don't know. But it's going to benefit him. It's 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 music to his ears if if the college season doesn't go ahead. But um, I I was 
you know, higher than on Justin Ross than than most people were. Um, and I've just dropped him in a league, in, in a Devi league. Um, oh, that must have hurt. Yeah, it did. But, you know, what the thing is, his best case scenario now with Justin Ross, right, is he does play another season of football and he puts up okay production or, you know, similar to what he's done or whatever. He's, he's never going to go balmy. You know, he's never, he's never going to put up a, you know, an elite season, I don't think, with what, what his injury is. And, you know, he's not going to get the draft capital that he was once going to get because teams will look at that type of injury and they will go, no thanks, not at the cost of a day two draft pick. So, and yeah. wide receivers that don't get draft capital are, you know, then the chances of them doing anything in fantasy is slim. So, that's the end of jo- uh, Justin Ross for me. But anyway. He's dead. Dead. <laughs> um, right, mate. We'll move on then because we are running slightly behind schedule. Um, 2021 rankings, 1 to 10. Give me yours and I'll give you mine. Okay. Superflex, it's Lawrence, clearly. Yep. Two is Justin Fields. Yeah. Three, I have ETN. Four, Jamar Chase. Probably not surprisingly. I have Chuba Hubbard at five. At six, I'm like, it could be higher. I've easily talked into I have Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Minnesota, even. That doesn't sound right. Um, uh, Rondell Moore at seven. Jalen uh, Waddle at eight. I have Brock Purdy at nine. And I'm probably on the fence between Kylan Hill and Trey Lance at ten. Okay. For now, for now I'm going to say Kylan Hill because I, I, I just have my doubts about Trey Lance. Yeah, do you know what? When I put Trey Lance in where I've got him, it didn't feel great. Maybe after another season, it will feel better. Um, it's just the it's just the fact that you can't. And it was the same with Carson Wentz, I know, but you know you you can't even roster him in some leagues on platforms because he doesn't play, you know, Division One football, so he's not. You know, he's just. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. He scares, he scares me a bit. But look, in Superflex, it becomes more bad. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he has a kind of uh, Josh Allen feeling to him. Arrived yeah. in the season very late in the, late in the season. Yeah, before. He's, more, he's, player, he's more accurate than Josh Oh, yeah. Allen. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a very different type of player. More the, more the kind of feeling. When I'm always a bit sceptical of guys who, who suddenly appear on the scene late in the season the way yeah. Josh Allen did. And oh, yeah. that, was, that was the year that Josh Allen got drafted, wasn't it? So it was all worried. It was the same with Mitch Trubisky. He just come out of nowhere. Well, it, was the, it was the year before. It was um, it was uh, the run-up to the year before Allen got drafted, wasn't it? And Josh Norris suddenly suddenly stumbled on him, dropped him number one in a, in a mock draft, and suddenly everyone was interested in him. Did he? Right, OK. Uh, yeah. Why, no, Wyoming, who was that, wasn't he, Josh Allen? He's a Wyoming, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah look... Um, uh, Trey Lance is going to divide people. Uh, in Superflex, he's more valuable, obviously. Um, but I don't. Something doesn't feel great about him. But uh, right. So my number one, Trevor Lawrence, same as you. Two, Justin Fields. Uh, three for me is Jamar Chase. Um, I do expect regression from Jamar Chase. He hasn't got Joe Burrow and Joe Brady uh, organising, getting the ball to him this year. So that there's going to be regression there. But I just think he's a good enough prospect that he's going to be wide receiver one anyway. 
Uh, at number four, I've got Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Got him a little bit higher than you, um, but same as you, wide receiver two in this class. Does it run fast I'm... enough? Say again? Does it run fast enough? No, he doesn't run fast, <laughs> which is why I like him. Um, at number five, I've got Chubba Hubbard, um, my RB1 from this class. Number six, I've got Journey Brown, my RB2 for this class. Um, a lot higher on Journey Brown than most. Number seven is Trey Lance. Um, eight is Travis Etienne. Nine is Najee Harris. And ten is Rondale Moore. Um, we discussed Najee a little bit earlier. I just, the guy is going to be old coming into the NFL. He is yeah. super, super productive, and people will tell you oh, it doesn't matter if they're old coming in as a running back. I only want to get five years or one contract out of them, and, and that's all I'm looking at. That, that's great, but, you know, and, and I, I, I do totally get that. But these younger guys that I think have a better chance of a bit more distance between where they are now and their ceiling compared to Najee Harris, I just, I just don't know. Um, Unless Najee Harris goes to the right team in the NFL where he can be used as a three-down back, I, I'm worried that teams aren't going to know how to use him. And before you know it, he's going to be going into his second contract at 28, 29 years old. Um, that's the only thing that worries me about that. And Rondell Moore, everything I watch on tape for him, you know, it screams first-round draft pick. And then it's the whole speed thing that puts me off of him. But look, he's still a top 10 player for me. I think... The general consensus, he's a he's a top three, top five Devi player going into 2021. Um, but look, you know, I've got I've got Waddle at eleven just outside. They're both quite similar players to me in terms of yeah. you know how they translate to the NFL. I I actually really like them both, but it's just that speed thing that scares me off of them. Um 2022, mate. So we had eight players the same there. Eight. If you, if you counted Trey Lance as your number ten, then we had eight players the same in the top ten. So that's reassuring. Let's see how many we've got at twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. For twenty twenty two, I've got Brees Hall at one. Yeah. I have Sam Howell at two. Yeah. Uh, George Pickens at three. Yeah. I, I'm I'm really unsure on four. But the program and the athletic ability is it's still talking me at the moment, but I'm unsure about Spencer Rattler at four. Uh, that will likely change. Uh, I've got Isaiah Spiller at five, uh, Garrett Wilson at six, Jordan Mason at seven, Theo Weiss at eight, and then I've kind of got nine and ten, which could go either way. I've, I've John Emery at nine at the moment. But then I've got Terry and Davis Price at 10. And I wouldn't be surprised if by this time next year, Terry and Davis Price has gone way past John Emery as the, as the Debbie prospect to have for me last year. Okay. So six the same as me. Um, although I think my 2022 rankings are a little bit all over the place, but I've just gone with how it feels for me at the minute. Um, mine, mine, are, mine, are, mine are absolutely small, and this is exactly the <laughs> I got, Right, I'll talk about a player that's not in my top 10 at the minute, which is in everybody's top 10. It's Garrett Wilson. I'm worried about the 10,000 five-star wide receivers that Ohio State have got. 
um, I don't know. I, I, something with Garrett Wilson doesn't. He's, look, he's a good football player, but like. I can't see, like, who do, who do you compare him to in the NFL? Because when I watch him at Ohio State, he's clearly more talented than Kylan Hill, but it's not Kylan Hill, sorry, KJ Hill. KJ Hill, yeah. But he could be KJ Hill. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what, what I think of him. He's not a first-round draft pick. What, what is it in Garrett Wilson, mate? It's a good question, to be fair. It's the pedigree, it's the programme. It's the flash that we've seen in the first year. I mean, there's certainly a lot more he needs to do to really, to really justify it. I think when you look at the the amount of work that's been vacated with the, the with Helm going, with Matt going, with Victor going, there's a lot of work to go around. So yeah, they have a lot of receivers. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Wilson jumps into that that spot as the number one receiver next yep. year. And that, that's what a lot of people are saying. I just, when I watch tape, I just don't see it personally. Hmm. But I'm probably going to be wrong with him. Um, and I there's always, there is always the, the thing we said earlier on. I think as you go, as you start to go out into 22 and 23, a lot is projection. Yeah, a lot is you're you're kind of looking at the the opportunity they're in, the program they're in, and the likelihood of them making that leap somewhere. And, and that to me gives Boston quite a lot of opportunity. You're looking, you're looking for a gap in production that can be filled yeah. by that player that you think was. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Um, number one for me is George Pickens. Um, best wide receiver out of all of these three classes, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Potential to be a top five NFL draft pick. Um, I, I'm super excited to see what he does. Uh, what. I'm super excited for that Georgia offense to change and stop running the ball 40, 50 times a game. It'll be nice to see them with a capable quarterback in Jamie Newman, um, you know, or, or JT Daniels or, you know, whatever it is, but, um, and not relying on the running backs. I, I personally don't think that their running back group is as strong as it has been in previous years. Um, but, you know, um, that I, I do get that they produce good running backs. So, look, George Pickens, number one wide receiver for me. What he did last year with Jake Fromm throwing him the ball was ridiculous. Uh, as a freshman, I'm more than happy to put him as number one and hang my hopes on him. Number two, Sam Howell. Yeah, I think they just, uh, the watch is going to be just, it's going to become better theme. It's just as a speed there. And is he, could, could he become another Hakeem Butler, Brian Edwards, big receiver that no one's interested in? Could be one to watch over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've only got a freshman season to watch, but, you know, none of them two yeah. players were half what he was in their, in their freshman season. Um, mm. I, I think he's a better player, football player, than both them guys. And I think the game speed is bigger. I mean, he's, if you look at his route tree that he ran last year, like a lot of them were were, were go routes and, um, you know, comeback routes. And, you know, they set him out outside and it was just throwing the ball as you know as far as you can the only issue last year was that Jake from can't throw a football very far so you know I think he'll get a better opportunity this year to show what he can do uh, number two Sam Howell uh, we've talked about him already number three my RB one in this class is Brees Hall same as you uh, number four a guy I was quite surprised that he didn't have in there um, maybe I'm higher on him than most but uh, Kellon Slovis out of USC um, I like him. I think he's 
I think, he, and look at the cast that he's going to have around him next year as well. Um, yeah. Really likes Lovis, but the pedigree is not there. Like we said, he's won a job, um, and that's all he's done so far. He's won a job and he's put up some, some good numbers, but we don't have much pedigree there. Number five for me, uh, Jaden Daniels. Um, quite like Jaden Daniels, uh, ASU. Uh, Skinny guy though, skinny guy. He needs to thicken up. Like he's always 175, 180 pounds or something. That's not going to cut it in the NFL. Um, and and I don't know with his rushing ability and stuff as well whether he can actually be the same type of player at 210 pounds. I don't know whether he can do that. But he he just strikes me as one of those players who you could very easily see this time next year. You know he's he's lucky to be a seventh round pick. Yeah, so a bit like Derek King. He puts up ridiculous yeah. numbers and then does nothing. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. But I'm willing to uh, to risk it with Jaden Daniels. I quite like him. Um, number six for me is Jerry O'Neill. Uh, my RB2. And that is mm. just based on talent and from what I've seen. The worry with Ely is the whole baseball thing. Um, yeah. You know, whether he picks baseball or, or not. But bloody hell. I don't think you're right. I'm less concerned about that risk. I, I just think there's... There's certainly flashes of, of real talent and then there's periods of kind of middling performance, which just makes me wonder whether he'll end up being a kind of plodding, maybe middle round back. But I saw that work somewhere. I saw that, Alan, in, in Barclays freshman season at Penn State. So whenever they asked him to run the ball between the tackles, he'd move the chains three yards, four yards, nothing really would happen. And then as soon as they you know, they'd throw him a screen or they, they'd run the ball outside zone or, you know, off the right tackle or, or, or whatever and get him into open space. He was electric. And I see the same in Jerry O'Neill. I really do. Um, can he be that type of running back that you just put, you know, a, a team on, on, on his back and carry the ball 25? He's not a Derek Henry. He's not going to put up 100 yards with, with 20 carries up the middle every game. But I, I think um, he's... Look, you know, I think he's got just as much talent as, as any other running back in, in this class, in this 2022 class. Um, for me, it's just that, what, because from what I've read, he likes baseball better. He comes from a baseball family, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it, there's no way that if he gets a second round draft grade from the draft committee, there's no way he picks baseball over football. No one ever chooses. No one ever chooses baseball. Why would they ever choose baseball over football? Exactly. I don't get it. But um, number uh, what number was he? Six. Number seven, Spencer Rattler. Um, yeah. Again, doesn't feel great putting him there. Same as you, but he's a quarterback that plays for Oklahoma. So yeah, that's a good thing. It could just be generic Lincoln Riley coached quarterback, right? Yeah. Pretty much, whoever you stick in there is, is, is going to have some degree of stock. Yeah, and yes, even, even if, like even, Lincoln Riley did everything to get Spencer Rattler there. There's obviously something yeah. that he likes about him. So, who am I to argue with him? Um, you know, but the NFL will like Spencer Rattler because he played yeah. for Oklahoma and he played for Lincoln Riley, and he will get drafted in the first round. And whether he's a good quarterback, oh, yeah. or not, I don't know, but. If Jalen Hawks can go in the second round, then he should do all right. That was a really good draft pick. Um, 
Like, where I'm not quite sure what, what to offer in response to that. <laughs> uh, number eight, uh, Joe Garter, wide receiver Clemson. Um, he was at about 15 or 16, and that's how far I've jumped in with the Justin Ross news. So, uh, number nine, John Emery. I'm in the same boat as you with John Emery Jr. It could go Tyrion Davis Price way. It could go John Emery Jr. way. I'm hoping it goes John Emery Jr. way because they recruited him to be a superstar running back at that program, and he hasn't shown that yet. He needs to show that this season. Um, and number ten is I say a Spiller, Texas A&M. Yeah. So six the same as you there, mate. Uh, and then the 2023 class, top ten. Go for it again. Rattle, like, rattle through these. You know, this is like gonna, in the wind, isn't it? But, you know, yeah, exactly. So throwing through darts. It's so, so a lot of this. I mean, I, I don't think I'll be going back to cotton too much to reveal that. You know, I don't really have any particularly strong views on many of these guys, having seen almost nothing of them. So a lot of this is based on you know rankings, scouting reports, and uh, other people who seem to know what they're talking about. Views, but by the moment, it's Bryce Young at one. It's the wonderful DJ from Clemson. I'm not going to even attempt it. <laughs> too much. Isn't uh, that a Scottish surname? Yeah, I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, Mick Ugalai. No, probably not. Uh, uh, Demas at three. Uh, Ken, Kendall Melton, four. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, five. Demarcus Bowman, six. Julian Fleming, seven. Jamar Gibbs, eight. Uh, Joe McMillan nine and Zach Evans from TCU at ten. Right, I think we've got five the same there. That is it. Um, again, you just got. I've watched. I've probably watched more highlights than actually quality tape. Getting hold of high school tape isn't really that easy. Um, you get arrested for that, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Yeah, again, a five-minute highlight clip can make, you know, Eddie Lacey look phenomenal, can't they? You know, it, it, it doesn't really show us much, but um, a couple of these guys I've taken a little bit of a liking to, and I would love to see them progress through to the NFL and be sort of guys that I, you know, I'd have rostered on a on a Debbie roster and watch them go all the way through. So DJ Ugalele is at one for me with it being Superfax. Um, Bijan Robinson at two. Love his story in high school. Um, so, <laughs> some of the tape, if you watch some Bijan Robinson tape, like what teams did to try and stop him uh, in high school was ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I think, is he, a, is he an Arizona guy? Is he from Arizona? He, or he might be Texas, somewhere down that way, New Mexico, well, something like that. Um, Wow, like they, it was as if they had they were playing against Superman. Um, the things that they used to do and, and the numbers that he put up was just ridiculous in high school, and you can tell why he was the number one overall running back. And uh, number three is Bryce Young. Um, so I prefer Ugalele to Young personally. Um, Young was obviously the higher recruited quarterback, higher rated quarterback coming out. Uh, number four, Julian Fleming. Number five, Jamar Gibbs, super high on Gibbs. Uh, number six, Demarcus Bowman. Number seven for me is Arik Gilbert, a tight end that's gone to okay. LSU. Um, look, I personally don't think that you need to think about rostering tight ends in Debbie leagues, especially shallow Debbie leagues, unless they are absolutely elite. Because look, you get guys that come through to the NFL, you know, certainly not two, three years in advance, but this guy's different. 
Um, he could be end up being a wide receiver. He could end up being a tight end. Um, I think he's the highest recruited tight end of all time, um, or around about that. I might be slightly wrong, but um, he was very, very highly recruited. He could end up being a wide receiver, and he could end up being Calvin Johnson. Look, you know, I don't want to just throw words out like that, but um, you know, names out like that. But the, the guy has got an incredibly high ceiling. Um, it's just whether LSU can, can, you know, let him fulfil that. I, I don't know. Uh, number eight for me is a little bit of a wide receiver crush. So behind Julian Fleming, I've got Rakeem Jar uh, Jarrett, who has gone to Maryland. Now, he, I think, accepted, um, it's either at LSU or at Georgia, I'm not too sure, but he signed with, he agreed to, to sign with them and then did a U-turn and went to Maryland. Um, uh, I like that. Like, I, I like players like that, you know, like him, Gibbs, that, that stay local and go to their, their local college and their local programmes. And, you know, he's going to have Tua's little brother throwing him the ball there in Maryland. Um, Jarrett's my wide receiver too. And he's a guy that I think will transition really well to the NFL. He's going to probably be a slot player um, in college and in the pros. Um, but he's a fabulous route runner for a, for a high school player, just coming out of high school. Very, very good route runner. Number nine is Demon Damas. Um, like him a lot as well. I think that them three wide receivers are, are all real good talents. Uh, and then number 10, I've got Tank Bigsby just above Marshawn Lloyd. Um, the only issue with Auburn is they have a lot of running backs there. I don't know how much you know of the ball he's going to see uh, in Auburn. Uh, but he's my number 10. So anything to add on these classes? The, the only thing I would say is, you know, like you said before, mate, your hit rate is going to be a lot less the deeper that you go. So it's all very well falling in love with a prospect that hasn't played a down on football in college yet. But, um, you know, just, just be a little bit more cautious with that because, you know, we talk about Bijan Robinson being the number one overall running back in the nation and, you know, very highly recruited and blah, blah, blah. You know, he could be nothing. He could end up going undrafted. Yeah. It's, you, just, you just don't know. Um, so the last thing we were going to cover then was just a little bit on campus to Canton leagues. So um, I'll just explain what they are, um, how you can get into them and stuff like that. They are quite time-consuming to commission. Um, as a commissioner, a, a Devi league is quite simple because you set up a league on a platform like Fantrax or MFL or whatever that allows um, you to, to roster a, a pro squad and a Devi squad or you just do it on Sleeper or you know an app like that um, and have a, a, your pro NFL squad. Um, just do a normal dynasty startup for that and then potentially a separate start up for your or separate Debbie draft for your Debbie players and you keep that together in a spreadsheet um, do it however you want but basically your Debbie players don't score any points but they will become go onto your rosters as soon as they declare and they go into the NFL the difference with a campus to Canton League is you it's normally two drafts so you normally have a, an NFL draft and a college draft um, but your college players will score points in college 
and your NFL players will score points in NFL. Now, there's a lot of different variations of this. So you could have it that you have two separate leagues. So you have your college league running and you have your NFL league running and someone can win the college league and someone can win the NFL league. Or you can just put all the points together. You know, if your team, your your, your Debbie squad or your uh, campus squad, um, you know, put up 300 points one week and your, you know, your NFL uh, dynasty team put up 250 points, then you've got 550 points or whatever for, for the week. You can run it like that. There's a lot of different varied ways of doing it, but essentially you do a campus draft and you do a Canton draft. Um, normally, the, the benefit of doing them separately is that after your Canton draft, so after your dynasty startup, you can see where the holes are on your roster. Um, you can see what positions that you need to work for for the future, and then you then go and attack them positions in the campus draft, in the Devi draft. Um, the Devi rosters are, or, or the campus rosters, are normally a lot deeper than what a normal Devi leagues roster would be. Um, but you have to bear in mind something with these campus to Canton drafts. You, I've seen it before where people are. Um, they're drafting their, their campus squads based on college production and based on how many points they think they'll put up every week but those players may not trans translate well to the NFL so it's up to you how you want to go about doing it but a lot of the time you know the, the best players that come through to the NFL and the ones that are seen by the NFL aren't necessarily the ones that have put up the biggest stats in college you can go and get a guy like Jarrett Patterson the running back up in Buffalo you know, who's playing, you know, lower quality opposition and he's putting up 2,000 rushing yards a season and would get you loads of points in your campus to Canton League. But is he going to translate well to the NFL? Is he going to have a high draft pick, et cetera, et cetera? So you've got to think about those sort of things. Um, the, for me, they're, they're the way forward with Debbie Leagues. You basically draft all of your guys, all of your squad in one go, and you just hope that the guys that you've drafted in your in the campus side of it progress through to the the you know your the, your pro side of it um, and fill your rosters up well. The way that you can sort of supplement it is so in one of the leagues that I run, um, we have a supplemental draft every February. So any players, there's no waivers in the campus side of the draft. You can do it that there is waivers, but it's a hell of a lot to, to run for, a, to, to, you know, to do for a commissioner. Um, we have no waivers, so you have a, a big um, campus squad. And then every February, there's a supplemental draft for people to pick up uh, Devi players um, that haven't already been rostered. Um, and that is normally done the same as what a rookie draft would be done. So the loser would get the first pick inverse order of standing, so to speak. Um, on the subject of Campus to Canton Leagues, we are going to set up a uh, podcast, a Devi podcast, Campus to Canton League. So there's going to be six podcasts uh, taking up six of the slots in the division. So uh, KM Devi will take up one of those slots. I've had a, cute, a few other podcasts um, solidify their positions in the draft as well. And then we're going to have six listener spots as well. So um, I'll be, uh, I'll be putting a tweet out on the KM Devi handle in, uh, as to how you can get a spot in that draft. And we're looking to 
draft late July and it will be the full kitchen sink. So it will be um, the whole lot, probably uh, a 50 round in total draft um, encompassing college, all college and NFL players. So you got anything to add with campus to Canton leagues, mate? I'm hoping that's covered all of it. Yeah, I waffled a bit there, but it, 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 so <laughs> you can sort of, you know, manipulate them how you want, organise them how you want. They're a massive thing to take on as a commissioner because there's just so much stuff that goes along with it, um, running two separate drafts. We did ours, uh, our last one, we did the, uh, the campus side of it as an auction, didn't we? Um, we did, yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting. So, some crazy prices, some crazy prices in there. Yeah, I think people missed out on, and this this is the thing, you know, you do the draft after you do your dynasty draft, your, your, your Canton draft, you know, and people come away from that superflex draft with little to nothing at quarterback. Um, so they had to spend stupid amounts of money to get guys like Lawrence and Fields and, and Sam Howell, I think, went for massive money as well. So it makes it brilliant. Um, and I would really encourage anyone, if they need uh, any advice on how to set one up, um, then just hit me up on Twitter um, and I will talk you through it. Um, the ones that... But don't, I, but don't, ask, don't, don't ask me because I couldn't even figure out how to work the fan tracks uh, nomination <laughs> system. <laughs> um, the, uh, the way that with the one we work at the minute, so I'm running the, uh, the Canton side of it on uh, Sleeper nice easy platform to do it on um and then i'm running the the campus side on a, on a separate spreadsheet so we did the draft on fan tracks um but because i'm not using waivers and i'm using it so that the only time that people can adjust their uh campus squads is every february during the supplemental draft i can just keep all that on a spreadsheet and run it from there so that's how i'm doing it but the uh the one that's going to be doing is play doing at the end of July, um, the, the podcast-esque one um, will all be run hopefully on one platform. So we're, we're trying to sort that out now as we speak. So anything else, Alan? I think else for me. I think the, the only thing I want to share in the campus Canton League is that, that you and I are going to run a team together, right? This, we this are. And there's a... going to be a lot of things that we disagree on, like speed with wide receivers. <laughs> I think this could be fun. Um, right, so that'll wrap it up then for tonight's episode. Um, we are hoping to do one a month. Uh, next month's one will probably for end of July time. Um, quite a busy month for, for rookie drafts and startup drafts and Scotch, Scott Fishbowl and stuff like that in July. So probably be the end of July that we look at doing that. Um, and I think the next conference that we're going to go on to is the... What are we going on to? The Big Ten, I think we're going to hit next. Um, and we'll talk about that uh, as well as answer some more questions. So thanks for listening, everyone. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever it is you listen to us on or on Twitter. Thanks, guys. <laughs>